All right, let's go ahead and begin the show with, you know, the big news coming from last night, which is the Francis Ngannou fight and Stipe Miocic uh, fight. And, you know, what we learned and what we saw was that Francis gave one heck of a performance. You couldn't ask anything more of the guy. He made the corrections from the first fight, and he carried all that preparation into the second fight. He even brought in a high-level current UFC welterweight champion, Kamaru Usman, from Nigeria as well, in to help him prepare. Couldn't ask for a better performance. He stopped Stipe Miocic in the second round. K.O. But let's not discredit Stipe Miocic, all right? The man has a good chin on him because he took some shots in the first round plus a head kick that puts out a good amount of people. But credit to him, he's the best champ that the UFC has seen in the heavyweight division all time. No debating that. And uh, he went out He went out the way you would think he would go out against a Francis. He did get KO'd on a counter, I believe it was a counter left hook. And what set him up with the counter left hook was before the entire exchange, before he got hit with the counter left hook, Francis... Hits him with a stiff jab that pushes him all the way back into the fence. And that com- that wobbles him. Francis swarms on him a little bit. Uh, hits him with some more blows. Backs out of it. Uh, Stipe, you know, circles kind of circles out to the left. And then right before he gets hit with the counter left hook, he, uh, he actually, Stipe Miocic, actually clocks Francis with a straight with a straight right which resets francis and then steep but the way he got reset it looked like he was hurt for a second but in actual fact he was fine and because stipe thought he was hurt he actually ran into francis a little while hands down a little bit he was about to throw a punch but francis caught him with the check left if you don't know what the check left hook is, I advise you to watch uh, the Ricky Hatton and Floyd Mayweather fight. That is the perfect left hook. I don't know. If, it might not be the left hook. It was either the perfect left or the perfect right left hook that put uh, Ricky Hatton down permanently into the uh, turnbuckle on that fight. That's the uh, best check hook you could watch. But Francis's check hook, right on par with it. So, all credit due to Francis Ngannou who made the adjustments. It was a great fight. Um, if you want to go, if we we can go over the fight a little bit. First round, and all the the fight in general wasn't much. If you if you go back and watch the fight, it wasn't much. From my analysis, the first round how it went, it was only only the fight only went two rounds. But if you want to go back and look at the first round, how did that go? It was mainly Stipe kind of on the outside doing a couple of leg kicks, but Francis was the more uh, patient. He was patient and aggressive at the same time, if that makes sense. He was he was still flinging out shots. He even connected on a couple, like I was saying, the head kick that came in the first round. He caught him with a couple of jabs. Um, Stipe did try to use wrestling a little bit, but Francis stuffed it because, obviously, from the first fight, which was about three years ago to now, he's had, obviously, has time to train and prepare and everybody knows that's his biggest weakness is wrestling and cardio. Now, for the time being, he has fixed 
the wrestling issue because now he can stuff takedowns. Beforehand, Stipe was taking him down at will, but he was also a greener UFC fighter. Now we're talking about uh, well experienced, even though he hasn't had he doesn't have a long fight time in the ring. But obviously, if you go through another three years of training camps and different sparring partners and all that you're going to acquire uh obviously a, a new set of skills and different experiences through that and also in the ring but uh through that francis pretty much dominated the first round he even uh he he showed a lot of uh of gain from where the first fight was to this fight and it really showed within the first round if you want to watch the round that really showed francis maturity level go up it's the first round. Now, if you want to keep going into the second round, it was more kind of the first round, where it's more steep a circling, not throwing a ton of volume, just trying to keep Francis on the on the outside of you know of everything he's trying to do. He's throwing the leg kicks, a couple jabs here and there, you know, kind of trying to blitz in a little bit. Francis, on the other hand, is uh he's flinging some shots, some heat seekers as they call them. They're missing, but it's still putting the attention on Stipe, knowing if one of these catches you, you're done for. And one of them did catch him, a straight, a uh, stiff, stiff lead jab from Francis that caught him, stunned him. And then um, ultimately it was a check, I believe it was a check left hook that actually put him down. So all credit to Francis from, from the first fight to the second fight, making the adjustments making it uh, making it a very good fight for him he, and he was patient that's the biggest thing because you got to think the man is I believe 64 he cut down weight to get to 260 so the man is carrying a lot of weight he's a very strong man he's from Africa everybody knows you don't mess with the Africans but with that said it just showed an evolution of the man from three years ago what he learned from the first fight to the second fight now he is the new undisputed heavyweight champion. Now the question is, where does the fight go after this? Does it go to John Jones or does it go to Derek Lewis? Most likely the fight goes to John Jones because the man put on the weight. He vacated his title at lightweight to come up to heavyweight to fight for the title. But everybody probably for the curiosity factor wants to see the Derek Lewis fight because both of the men have dynamite in both of their hands and they're good at stuff and takedowns now so i don't think they'd both be as hesitant they have fought in the past but i don't think they'd be as hesitant as they were beforehand so um that's the fight and all credit again due to francis and for the for the win i didn't need to really break down this fight too much just because it was only about a round and a half and it was pretty much pure dominance by Francis. Enough said. We have to talk about something very important. Normally, I don't do movie reviews on here, but we have to talk about a certain movie. Actually, a certain movie trilogy called Godzilla. The modern Godzilla, not the older Godzilla from the 40s, 50s, 60s, 70s, 80s. That Godzilla, we're talking about the new ones. That I believe started in 2014. So. I just want to go over. How this movie. These movies. Except for the first one. The first one. 
is somewhat is it's fine it's the first one so it's fine but the second and third one being Godzilla King well the second one being Godzilla King of Monsters and then the third one Godzilla versus Kong I just have to say how ridiculous it is that people can go up to Godzilla touch him and there's no radiation problems down the line there's no problems there's no there's no actual science behind the movie it it doesn't make sense to me that a giant ape silverback gorilla can go toe to toe with a another 200 foot walking nuclear power plant and just walk around like it's fine no there there's no there's no way on god's green earth a nuclear power plant that that's 200 feet a mobile power plant that's 200 feet a giant lizard who's been covered in nuclear particles for who knows how long because in the Godzilla universe Godzilla's basically been around since dinosaurs so we're talking nuclear power from the dinosaur age and you want to tell me a giant silverback gorilla just getting scratched mind you Godzilla slapped Kong bit him drug him underwater hit him with a nuclear blast that he charges up from his tail that he can charge up nuclear everything from his tail in the earth or whatever you want to call it and you mean to tell me Kong's Kong's going back to inside earth and live a happy life no and then we're not even we're gonna get back and then we want to get back let's get back to the second movie with probably the worst parenting I've ever seen in my life on film. The mom in the second movie might be more ridiculous, more ridiculous than the mom in the Christmas story. And that is hard to do. The mom in the second movie has to be the dumbest. One, she's bringing her kid with her to unlock giant two three hundred four hundred prehistoric animals monsters aliens all types of things and then you, you you're nervous when the kid is getting taken and trying to save the planet because you're out here trying to you know destroy the world just just ridiculous and then not to mention the the lady is just stupid just stupid and then, and then at the end, I'm glad she dies. Because even if she, let's say she didn't die, she should be thrown in jail for the rest of her life, if not put on death row for endangering the entire planet by waking up uh, King Gregoria, or Gorda, or the three-headed dragon. Be in prison. Yeah. There's no you. There is no you, either walking around here scot free after you almost killed the entire planet. Possibly, like there's there's no way. 
And then, you know, I know I'm jumping around, but let's get to the third movie. The third movie makes no sense either because you got the, you have, there's a part where it's, you have the crazy black conspiracist, the dude from Atlanta, you know, Paperboy. Hey, Paperboy, Paperboy, you got to get that Paperboy. That also makes no sense because he's a conspiracy theorist about stuff she actually lived. That makes no sense. She's following a conspiracy theorist that is basically talking about her. Her life, which makes no sense. It's like, what? What do you? Well, how would you follow somebody that's talking about your life? You should be the conspiracy theorist. You live. You. It's not even a conspiracy because you know about it. You lived it. Don't make any sense. And then let's get on the Mecha Godzilla thing baffles my mind because they were looking for some energy to power Mecha Godzilla in the Middle Earth, but I didn't see them bring back some isotope, some material to power Mecha Godzilla. Did you? If you're listening to this, did you see him, or it was a she, the daughter of the company owner, bring back? Something to power Mega Godzilla that makes no sense. Not to mention, if Godzilla can power up his nuclear blast and hit man made metal or steel, how is it possible that Mecha Godzilla didn't go down or at least get fried up? How is a Mecha Godzilla as fast? as regular Godzilla and I get it Godzilla is big and probably slow but how is it that a two two three hundred pound piece of metal is moving faster than Godzilla even with the best engineers it's that size metal is not moving that fast I I'm not I doesn't comprehend and then somehow um the skull from the three-headed dragon started controlling the mecha godzilla you know i'm like how is that how does that even work it's it's a skull i mean i get it you know this is all a movie verse and i've got just got my little complaints here but it's like you know at least make it if you're gonna make a movie about a giant radioactive lizard fighting a giant silverback gorilla you know, at least keep it. I know science-wise it doesn't make any sense. But at least keep it somewhat on a science tip. You know what I mean? Don't just be out here just making up stuff. Just for, you know, just for entertainment value. Because honestly, I thought it was a solid movie when Kate, when Kong and Godzilla fought. But we all know. But if if you want to talk about science, if you want to just keep it real, in no way, shape, or form does Kong fight Godzilla even one time and lives beyond a, a two to three year time frame. Kong touches, comes in contact with Godzilla. That's enough nuclear radiation energy just without him even par- charging up. To kill a lot of people. And now you want to talk about he's getting hit with blasts. The radiation is bound. Even if he blocks it, the radiation's all around him. He's touching touching Godzilla. You mean to tell me that 
Kong is still walking, still walking around fine. I don't care if he's 200 feet. I'm talking about science. And I just thought it was the most ridiculous thing that, you know, at least follow some science. Just a little bit. I didn't think the movie was that great. I thought it was good fighting scenes between Kong and Godzilla, but overall, you had the little girl that they rescued from Skull Island, you know, it, she's in the movie. I honestly, this is my honest opinion, is that when you start adding kids to like PG-13 slash rated R movies where it's like a, a hero type thing, it always drags the movie down to me. Because they always put the kid in there as like some sentimental value and it always drags the movie down. You know what I mean? When you put the kid in there, it's all—it's always a problem with the kid. In the second movie, it was the, the girl. She's trying to save the world by somehow figuring out a machine that her mom built that she had no business with. I don't understand it. She just popped. And it works. You would think the mom would build a machine that it, you know, it takes some actual brains to operate, but apparently not. And then in the second movie, the kids there again. It's the it's the eye of the kid from Skull Island, and it's the same girl, the girl from Stranger Things, who's not a good actor, by the way, in my opinion, uh, at least in this movie and the previous movie. Not a good actor. It was just ridiculous. At least the the dad in the in the King Kong movie, the only two that I thought did a good acting job, well actually three, was Kong, Godzilla, and the dad, partially, because the dad was doing some crazy stuff too. The dad, but at least the dad was like, yeah, the mom's an idiot. I gotta go rescue my daughter because she's an idiot, and. You know, obviously Godzilla's doing his thing. He's just trying to he's trying to let people know I'm the king of all the monsters. And then he beats up he beats up King Kong. Even King Kong, like as a, had to like be like, all right, you, you know, you got me. All right, you, you got me. I won't. All right, I won't mess with you, but you got me. All right, you know, it's just you know, movies nowadays. I think it's like who's writing it? Who who put? Who put some of the stuff in these movies that, especially the third one, it's like, we don't care when it comes to movies about giant lizards, robots, freaking whatever it is. Unless they're piloted by humans, I don't care about the humans. And Transformers, you don't need to make, you do not need to make a, let's, let's, okay, let's talk about Transformers, right? Does anybody care about the humans in Transformers or do you care about Optimus Prime, the Autobots versus the Decepticons? Huh? What do you care about? Okay, because I could care less about the humans because humans are doing the human things on Earth and it just so happens that the Transformers come down. I want to know about the Transformers, these talking robots from that these alien robots from out of space. I don't care about the humans and them. Okay, I don't care about them. We care about Optimus Prime and God dang Megatron. Okay, that's what we care about. You know, and if you want to talk about humans and robots, unless it's like Gundam, 
or something where the human is completely pilot the robot isn't moving without the human so the human element has to be there i don't care okay i don't care if you you they made a thing about transformer called the war on cybertron where it was strictly about the robots that makes sense because we only care about the robot we don't care about the humans and them being on earth I mean, you care a little bit because they're destroying Earth, but overall, you care about the character development of the Transformers. The giant lizards of Godzilla and all this other crap. We don't care about the humans. But circling back to my main point, it's just a ridiculous... It's ridiculous. It's, it, King Kong... T King Kong versus Godzilla and, King, and a Godzilla, King of All Monsters, are two of the most ridiculous movies I've ever watched in my life. Number two being the most ridiculous, and the mom in it, let me not say that. We're going to say something else. We're going to say dumb, because we're better than that. But, two of the worst movies I've ever seen. Not King Kong versus Godzilla. It's a, it's a solid movie, but it's a highly flawed movie. And then, if you want to talk about another movie, we'll talk about one more movie. Because I'm, uh, I'm on fire right now. We can talk about Zack Snyder's Justice League. I just subscribed to HBO Max. That's why I'm watching these movies. And in my opinion, Zack Snyder's movie should have been the first movie all along. Like, they should have just, whenever he left, they should have just postponed production that movie but i guess they wanted to keep up with marvel but that Zack snyder movie is way better than the original uh justice league movie and in my opinion it's almost like why would you do all this stuff and to try to still release the movie i know you're trying to get your money back but at the same time it's like if you would have just waited and released the movie like this even if it is four hours just make it uh you know, there there's people that are willing to sit for four hours. Okay, there's people willing to do it. There's people if it's a four-hour movie, okay. All right, I've seen it. What was the Titan? Wasn't the Titanic close to like three hours? Wasn't the Avatar close to three hours? Freaking the Godfather, all the movies close to three hours. You know, all I, all I'm saying is, you know, it, it doesn't matter, right? It Zack Snyder's cut was what the Justice League should have been. Even though I will say this. Some of the one-liners could have been better. And the CGI. I don't understand the CGI with Cyborg. With the modern day CGI. How is it that Cyborg still looks like that? And it was a redo of the movie. So they had time to redesign. They could have redesigned Cyborg. Just like they did Steppenwolf. And put in Dark, Dark Side. It doesn't make any sense. I thought Cyborg wasn't. They could have did a better version of Cyborg, in my opinion. But overall, the movie was good. I mean, it was, I mean, outside of it being four hours, it took me two days to watch it, but still, it was a good movie. That's how it should have been done from the beginning. The Flash wasn't running around all weird, you know. Batman, you know, is, it's, it's like, okay, look, it's like, oh, wow, there, these scenes that flow together are actually repulsed to being here that weren't in the original. It's like, oh, okay, this makes sense. You know, it isn't just like, oh, hey, hey, we're here. All right. We're the Justice League. Hey, there's there's Superman doing 
just coming in, doing at the end, not doing anything. It's like, oh, there's an actual flow. There's actual character development with the other characters. Like, it makes sense, you know? I just don't understand why, you know, why we didn't get this the first time around. When it's not like we we couldn't wait. Shoot, we, everybody waited a whole 2020. Everybody waited. Shoot, I'm still waiting right now. That's all my ranting with the Zack Snyder and the Godzilla stuff. But Godzilla 2, that's a bad acting and just just stop adding kids into movies, especially movies like this. Do not let, hey, look, Mortal Kombat comes out ne- next week. Let them put a little kid in there with these these fatalities. All right. I'm going to be hot. Be hot. Now, I want to jump into some predictions for next week. As you know, UFC 261 happening next week. We got Kamar Usman. Jorge Masvidal, UFC welterweight championship. We got Rose Nami Yunus versus Zhang Wei Li, UFC strawweight championship. And we got Valentina Shevchenko versus Jessica Andrade for the UFC flyweight championship. I just want to get this off pretty quickly. Because I think it just needs to be said. The three champions are very dominant. And two of them in particular are very dominant. That is Shevchenko and Usman. While Zhang is just starting out. So I just want to get that out of the way. But I want to start off. We'll talk with the uh, the first of the three uh, championship matches. As I believe it is Shevchenko versus Andrade first. So I'm going to talk about them first and my predictions with that. So with Shevchenko versus Andrade, you've got a you've got Shevchenko who's undefeated at flyweight, reigning champion, and she's defeated she's defeated the strawweight champion in Joanna Jajic, which uh, Zhang uh, went to a very close. Uh, split decision win or unanimous decision win it was very close either way against and Shevchenko dominated her you've got she's just pretty much she is outside of Amanda Nunes she is the number two pound for pound female in fighting in the world right now she is a monster she's scary she's from Kyrgyzstan one of those European countries where you know, the, you you just know when it comes to Europeans, you just don't mess with the Europeans, man, because they're just they're dangerous in a good way. Now, I'm not saying in a bad way. They're just dangerous. OK. And with Shevchenko, she's just at 125. She is the problem that ain't nobody solving right now. And then on top of that, she's fought Amanda Nunes, who's the reigning 135 and 145 champion. Both of them were close fights that Nunes barely won. So even if she even if she wanted to go up, she's still she's the number one ranked at 125, and she's basically the number two ranked or number three ranked at 135. She's just a problem all around. And the person she's fighting is. 
somewhat tailor-made to her in a way which is Jessica Andrade because Andrade is a, has a come forward style try to sidestep bob and weave and try to land bombs on you because she is short I think Andrade is like 5'2 or 5 she at best she's 5'4 that is I might be giving her a couple inches. At best, she's 5'4". Shevchenko, I think, is like 5'7", five, 5'8". Five, fights, fights off of a... Uh, a night. She fights off of leg kicks, uh, good jabs. She has good movement. She's a, she's a complete... She is a complete uh, fighter. Like, if you want to know, like, what is... Who's the most complete fighter is that, you know... She is the... Her, Amanda Nunes are the two most complete female fighters on the planet right now because they can stand up and bang or they can go to the ground and bang. And Shevchenko's game is really more of a counterpunch. She's more a counter. She's, that's what she does. She's more of a counter, but her skill set is based off of Muay Thai, just like Joanna Yunjajic, and but she has the skills on the ground as well. So she she's a complete fighter, and then I want to get back to Andrade. Andrade is just a bulldozer who can take a lot of punishment, except for against Zhang, who just blitzed her. But Andrade is a tank, and it's on, the only reason it's an interesting matchup, in my opinion, is because Andrade has the power to knock out any female, basically from 125 and below, if she connects. But I just don't see in my this is my official prediction. I don't see Andrade winning this fight. At best, I mean, in my opinion, it, it's probably going to be a five round fight. But I could also see Shevchenko stopping it early by just by just staying outside, circling her and picking her apart from the outside because Andrade has to get on the inside. She's too short to fight at a distance like. Shevchenko will eat her up. So, in my opinion, Andrade loses. Even though I do like Andrade a lot, she's one of my favorite female fighters, but she's getting ate up by Shevchenko either from the outside. And the only way Andrade could win is if something like how she defeated Rosanami Eunice happens, where she kind of just grabs her, slams her, power slams her. Or just catches Shevchenko completely lacking. That's the only way that she loses. Any other way goes, it's Shevchenko. Because she's that dominant. She's that good. There's no other way. No other way. But, in light of that, we will go on to the next championship. Which will be uh, Joanna. Not Joanna. It'll be Rose Nami Yunus versus Li Zhang. Or Zhang Weili. And in my opinion, you know, this is a close fight. Because both of the women have a same opponent. They have a common opponent. That's uh, Joanna Yunjajic. Uh, obviously, everybody. every the, t- the four women that are fighting the championship fight all have one common opponent. They probably have multiple common opponents, but there's one big one. Because she's a former champion. And that's a Joanna. And out of all four of them, the one who the ones who have done the best against her were Rose, Jang, and Shevchenko. They did the best. Andrade got pieced up from the outside, 
and it was just not a good fight. She didn't get she didn't get knocked out or anything. She kept coming forward because she's got a granite chin. But Andrade got pieced up from the outside, which is Joanna's game. And a better version of that is Shevchenko. But let's get back to Rose versus Zhang. In my opinion, these are probably the two best strikers in the strawweight division. I think Zhang has the most power in that division outside of Claudia, who is very strong for that division. I And Rose is probably outside of Zhang. Like the three best strikers in that division are Zhang, Joanna, and Rose Namunas. And not, let's not forget, Rose knocked out Joanna. She's the, first, she's the first one to do it. Knocked her out, dropped her multiple times, and knocked her out. Had her tapping out on punches. So, it's just, in my opinion, it's a close match, though. Because if you look at Zhang and the way she moves and the way she fights, she fights out of a, a karate, a kind of a karate stance. Like, just a, a power karate stance, if that's a thing. You know, she doesn't she doesn't fight like Lyoto because she keeps her hands high, but she does bounce. She has a bounce to her. If you watch her fight, she's got a good bounce to her. But so does Rose. That's why it's a, it's a close fight. But in my opinion, based off of the way that she dismantled Joanna and the way she's a little herky jerky, my opinion is that Rose wins because she's just slicker. It's not more so that she's more skilled than um, Jang. It's just that she's just a slicker on the feet than I would say even um, uh, Joanne is. She's just slicker. Like when, you know, she's kind of like in and out, side to side, real smooth with it in the pocket, out of the pocket, back and out. But where she runs into trouble is when as the fight gets on, she gets a little more tired. She wants to stand there and bang a little bit more. That's why if Zhang is to win this fight, I would think it would be by knockout. Because in my opinion, the way Zhang is, she's like a hybrid between Joanna and Andrade. Like if Joanna and Andrade came together and had a child somehow, the child would be Zhang. Because Zhang is very good on the feet and she's strong. Like, there aren't too many females in that division that are good on the feet and are strong and have, like, are carrying power where they have the possibility of knocking you out. Because Zhang knocked out Andrade, and I told you before, Andrade has almost has a granite chin. So, it takes a lot to actually do that. So, Zhang is actually, she's a monster, too. But, I just think, just be stylistically, because Rose... It's just she's just a little bit smoother when it comes to like that defense of just slipping punches right there in the pocket and everything. I just think that over a five round period, plus I saw how tired Zhang got between the third, fourth round against Joanna. I think it's a uh, you know, and Rose obviously packs a little, packs more power than Joanna too. So I think over the long haul, I just like I just like Rose on the feet. In this matchup, even though it pains me to say it because I really like Zhang. But Rose is just she's just smoother. But I would also like to hedge that with Rose gets in trouble late in fights and gets tired to where she is susceptible to getting bombed on. 
because when Rose fought Andrade the second time around, she won, and it was only three rounds. But in that third round, she was getting bloodied, and she was getting hit more than she was in the first and second round. And I know you say, oh, well, that's just natural going to happen. No. She was slowing down significantly, and if uh, Zhang hits her with some of these bombs, they might put her to sleep. But in my personal opinion, I do think Rose wins her title back just because of her slickness. And that's my official prediction. And then we can move on to the main event, which is Masvidal and Usman 2. Now, this will be a quick one because at the end of the day, Masvidal versus Usman 2 is, in my opinion, is going to go exactly how the first fight went. You could tell Jorge was a way better stand-up than Usman. You know, real smooth with it. Obviously, everybody knows that. But Usman, because of his strength and size, is just going to either wrestle him to the floor or press him up against the fence again. It's not like, it's not, it's not going to be any different in my opinion because I don't think the time frame was enough for more Masvidal to work on even more stuff. Like, it, I mean, it is because he's got a full camp, but in, but still, it's like Usman. Usman right now, there isn't unless there's a person who can be at a high level wrestling like Colby can. Uh, I don't see it going any different for Masvidal and Usman. I think Usman's just going to out-wrestle him. Masvidal's, I mean, the only way Masvidal can win is just like how everybody's pretty much saying. He's got to come out within the first two, first two rounds and hit him with something he hasn't seen. Kind of like Gilbert Burns had him in trouble. Until he like slipped and fell on his back and Usman recovered. It has to be something like that. Because other than that, Usman's just going to press him up against the fence. Take him down. Just wear him down over five rounds. Same same thing. And that's my. And I think, I think at the end of the night, Shevchenko retains her title. I think Rose wins back her title from Zhang, the current champion. And I think Usman walks out again as the champion... It kind of is. It'll be a little bit sad because uh, Masvidal is definitely a fan favorite. He's definitely one of the favorites of mine. But at the end of the day, Usman walks out with that title. And those are my predictions for that. 